Well, good morning, everybody. Again, my name is Matt. If you missed the beginning of the service, I'm the lead pastor here at Lifehouse. And that was Andy Stanley, who's the lead pastor at North Point Community Church, who we've been in partnership with as churches for the last 10 years. And if you're new to Lifehouse in the last year or two, because we didn't do Be Rich a year ago because of COVID, um, Be Rich is this way that we as a church practice being generous because we think it's important to practice being generous as a church. And so Be Rich, we got that title from something the Apostle Paul said to a young man named Timothy that he was mentoring when he said, Timothy, you're leading a church, so command, and that's a really strong word, command those who are rich in this present world um, to do good and to be rich. And that's where we got the title from. In good deeds and be generous and willing to share with everyone. And so what we think as a church, it's important to practice being rich in good deeds and sharing. And we want you to practice because someday you might be rich. And you're like, I hope I'm rich someday. And when you get rich, we want you to practice being rich so you're already good at it. And here's the truth when it comes to rich people um, across the world. Rich people aren't great at being generous. In fact, statistically, what we find out is people that have more give less. It's the weirdest thing. When you have more, you tend to hold on to it. Um, And so we want to make sure we're good at this. And isn't this kind of the truth anyway? Very few Very few, next slide, very few of us are good at being rich, isn't it true? And being generous. And so I I know when I say that, you would be like, all right, Matt, I got pushback. If you and I are having coffee and you say, I'm not good at being rich, it's because I'm not rich. I'm not rich at all. In fact, how many of you in this room would just say, I'm not rich? Raise your hand. Be transparent. Be honest. Matt, I'm not rich. I have no idea who you're talking to. So put your hands down. I I just want to have a little bit of fun. We're all going to participate in this, participate this online if you are too. Um, Raise your hand if this is true of you. How many of you, how many of you in your pocket, in your wallet, in your purse have some form of money right now. Raise your hand. Just be real honest. Come on. I right, put your hand down. I'm not going to, I'm not done pressing on you. How many of you know exactly how much money is in your wallet, pocket, or purse? You know exactly to the penny. A few people, let me just tell you, if you have money in your pocket and you, you don't know how much is in your pocket because you have so much money, you are richer than most of the people in the world. Isn't that a fascinating thing? And you're like, Matt, you're not selling me yet. I'm still not rich. If it was 20 years ago, I would say this. Raise your hand if you have money in the ashtray of your car. And then a bunch of you go, what's an ashtray in your car? So years ago, there used to be an ashtray of your, in your car. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but would you raise your hand um, if, if theoretically in your mind if you have money at home in a drawer? in a jar, in the cushions of your couch, there's extra change or a credit card you don't use, but you have because you could use it if you wanted to. Do you know if you just have that, compared to most people on the planet, you're rich? Isn't that an interesting thing? I mean, I think about it for me, the richest I ever felt, I think, is when I was 17 years old and I got my first job. When I was 17, the minimum wage was $3.36 an hour, baby. And I was making bank, but I felt rich. You know why? Because I didn't have any expenses. I didn't have a house, a car. Um, My daughter's back in transit this morning. I didn't have her because she's so expensive. My gosh, 21-year-old daughters cost you a lot. All I had was the money I needed for me. I just felt so rich. But the truth is for all of us, when we look around and think about what we have, most of us, most of us, maybe all of us, but at least most of us have extra compared to the world. 
Now, just to convince you of that, um, many of you, most of you, maybe all of you, you have a car. And if you have a car, it means compared to the most of the rest of the world, you're rich. But let me just push a little farther. You not only have a car, you have a house for your car. You call it a garage, but it's a house for your car, right? And in your garage, in some parts of this world, there could live one, two, or three families packed in there together. But the problem is, we don't only have all of our stuff in our house. We have so much stuff, it gets pushed out of the garage, out into the garage, which means the car has to sleep out in the driveway. And now our garage is filled of all of our extra stuff. And some of you are elbowing your husband right now because you're like, I told you to clean out the the garage before he came to church. But we just have so much stuff, which means we're rich. Do you know this? If you eat three meals a day or even two healthy meals a day, you're in the top 5% of the richest people in the world and you're richer than the kings and queens were a thousand years ago and what we eat. In fact, just look at America. You look at America and you go, listen, just by our belt sizes, we're rich. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, Matt, you're super rich, buddy. You're, you got more money than all of us, right? But it is, we have so much The problem is we don't feel rich because we don't step outside of ourselves because we have bills and kids in college and trying to make car payments and house and we're working through all that stuff, but we forget how much we actually have. And I tell you that because from the beginning as a church, we decided we want to work on being rich. And here's a side note, and you can just quote me on this. One of the biggest reasons as a church we need to work on being rich and generous as a church is because the lead pastor, the guy on stage, is not real good at being generous. And I want myself, my kids, and you guys as followers of Jesus to be rich. And the other cool thing, when it comes to this whole idea, our church... Our church is at a size to make a big impact. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're an individual, if you're a family, if you're in a church of 25 people, you can make an impact. But it's just logical that when there's this many people that we have that come and we pool our resources and we lean in together, we can make an impact in the community that we live in. Not to mention what Andy said, that we also today are launching with 77,000 other participants in the Be Rich initiative from 76 churches in five different countries countries, that we're partnering with all these different churches and people. All of our generosity is going to stay in our county, but all of us are leaning in together. Just to say the word, we're here and we want to make a difference. Now, I'll tell you a secret, and I really don't want you to tell anybody else this, but I'll tell you my my closest thousand friends a secret if you don't let it get out of the room, all right? The other reason I'm motivated to do this is I am desperate for people to look at the church, not just our church, but all churches and go, you know what? They're weird. Because you know that people say it about you? Those people to Lifehouse, they go to Lifehouse. They're weird and they're messy and they don't get to have their act together. You know, they do all, but I'll tell you something else about those people. They're generous. They're compassionate. They care about their community. And I'm glad they're in our community. One of my dreams for the local church across the globe, but at least here in Van Wert County, is people would say, They, the church, generally want something for us rather than something 
from us. That's what I desperately want people to say. And it's interesting, I experienced this last week because of what this project is that I'll explain in a second. I had to call some retail stores in town and I would open up like this. This is Matt Brown, the lead pastor at Lifehouse. Can I speak to your manager? And the immediate response from every store in town was, hey, before we can give a financial donation to your church, we got to check with our corporate office. Everyone said that immediately before they even asked what I wanted. You know what that said to me? Sometimes we can know, be known for what we're trying to get. And I'm so excited because today we're going to try and be known for what we're trying to give. And in the first century, the church launched. And it was just this wave of generosity and compassion. And we care for people, even if they can't care for them. And it was tough. Because in that day, you know, the church wasn't big and strong like it is now. It was just this little sect and these little groups of people. And there weren't pastors that could stand on stages with microphones and internet and TV and all the things we have. And they would just gather. And they gathered on the, under the you know, oppression of an emperor called Nero, emperor of Rome. And Nero was an awful person. He kind of hated everybody, but he really hated Christians. And he made it his goal to burn Christians alive. You, you tell your whole Jesus message. You tell your whole compassion, we're going to be for you message. And I'm going to burn you alive and feed you to the lions and torture your children. It was awful. At the same time, there are no stage, screens, lights, smoke machines, TVs on stage. There was no tools at all. They just had this message of God's come. And his generosity has changed everything. And there was this Roman oppression. And before the Roman oppression was the Greek oppression. Before that was Babylon oppression. There was oppression of government after oppression of government. And it was awful. But under Roman rule, people were oppressed. And it was might makes right. If you're the strongest, you get your way. If you're the richest, you get what you want. And something incredible changed when Jesus showed up. Because Jesus showed up and he decided... I'm going to put a value on all human life. I'm going to show generosity, not with other people's stuff, but my own life. He would say to people, you are made in the image of God. And then he died and he rose for it. And the church carried this message. And he would say to people like Luke and Matthew and John, you got to write this down because we got to make sure we get this right. Because once upon a time, when little girls were born into a family, if a father decided, listen, a little girl's not worth anything, they would just take her out and leave her in the woods for the animals to get or some awful human being to take. When a little boy was born with a deformity that was just too much work for a family to take care of, they would take him down by the river and they would drop him in the river and let him meet his faith. In those moments, Christians would start to swarm in and grab these little children up and take them into their households and care for them and love them no matter what the cost. And they would place value on a child's life, whether it was born or unborn, and say, you are valuable to God. Women, you just need to know this, that 2,000 years ago, women were objects for men. It was might made right, it was awful and it was wrong, and I'm so glad it's changed. But women were just dealt like they were possessions. And Jesus walked onto the pages of history and he said, women, you're as valuable as any man ever has been. And you are just important to me. And it changed the directory of the world. And it's interesting because Jesus changed the world for people that would believe in him. And he would change the world for people that never would believe in him. He just changed the world. And one day he's teaching, prepping for all of this to happen. 
And he's teaching, and he says a super challenging thing. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And that's interesting, because we all go, yeah. Listen, I love my mom. I do, because my mom loves me. I love my kids. My kids love me. I, I, love, I love my wife. She loves me. So yeah, I get it. If you love me, I'll probably love you back. If you treat me well, I'm going to probably love you back. That's, that makes sense, because we all do that. Even sinners do that. And then he says this, if you... Do good to though, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. I'm, I'll tell you a little secret. If you want to spend a little time with me this week, invite me out to a restaurant where we're going to get a really nice steak. I'm just telling you, a really nice steak and a really nice glass of wine, and I'll go hang out with you, all of you, as fast as I can. I promise you, because you're doing nice for me, so I'm going to do nice back to you. Everybody does that. It's so funny because Matthew, the tax collector, and you've heard me say this, no one was a bigger sinner than tax collectors in Jesus' day. They were hated. And Matthew's sitting in this crowd when Jesus is teaching that. He's, and Jesus says, even sinners do that, right, Matthew? And Matthew's like, yeah, we do that. That's kind of our deal. You do good for us, we'll do good for you. It's kind of, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And then he says on, he says, and, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, which we all do, right? If I lend you money, I expect you to repay me. What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full plus interest. This is what's normal to us. This is how the world works naturally. This is how we work naturally. But it isn't interesting when we look around the world, when we think about what's normal, and you read the news and you watch what's going on in our world and you see all the pain and heartache, wouldn't you agree that normal's not really working that well for us? Would you feel that? Like what's normal in our world is not taking us in the best directions. And Jesus shows up and he says, I just want to blow normal out of the water. I want to revolutionize what normal is. I want to change the world, at least when it comes to my church, when they think about normal. And this new idea propelled the church in something that just was radical and, and different. And in light of you know, wanting to go in opposite way of what normal in those days and these days, Jesus says this. He says, but, in the other direction, love your enemies. And do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. In other words, love the people you disagree with. And I was thinking about like what would be a good example for this. Like we could talk about love the Afghanistan people, love the people on the other side of the world. But doesn't that feel so far away? Like, okay, I'll love them, sure, I'll pray, whatever, I love them. This is what I think Jesus is more saying. Love the people you disagree with. So if you're all about safety in our country, I want you to love people that are all about freedom. Doesn't that just drive you crazy, right? And if you're all about freedom, I want you to love people that are all about safety. Now this is our tendency. It's okay, I'm all about freedom. I'm all about freedom. And I'm not gonna hate the people that are all about safety. I, okay, I'm not gonna shoot them with my AR-15. That's what I, I'm not gonna do that. I thought that'd be funny when I said that today. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tolerate them. And I, I'm all about safety, and I'm going to love the people who are all about freedom, and I won't curse at them and you know, dog them on Twitter. I'll tolerate them. And she says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about tolerating anybody. I'm talking about loving them, which is hard, and it's not normal. 
Matt, John, write this down because they're going to need to hang on to this. Help those people. And here's the crux of it because that's exactly what I did for you on both sides of whatever argument and whatever anger, whatever crime there is going on. Jesus, I got a question. By the way, with all those thoughts, I'm not going to tell you where I land on any of those because that's not the point today. But in light of all that, Jesus, I got a question. Why would we do that? Why would we love people we disagree with and it's hard to get along with and they drive us absolutely crazy? He says this, because then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the most high. Wait a minute, Jesus, I want to be children of the most high because I have morals, I have a stance and I'm going this. No, because you love well, you'll be children of the most high. When you develop this idea of loving those who can't or won't or won't willing to you, do for you, you'll be just like me. When you develop that habit, even if you think, and this is so hard for me, even if you think you might even get taken advantage of a little bit, doesn't mean you're a doormat for anybody, but even if you think you're going to be taken advantage of a little bit, that's what I want you to do. Jesus, I'm still confused. Why? I want to be your child, but why? Because, he says, he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, this is really an important part of where we're going today because I think the question for all of us when it comes to who's you know, the wicked and the ungrateful, the question I have is, you know, who, who's he talking about? When Jesus talks about the wicked, who's he talking about? Let me give you an idea for some of you. This will resonate, and some of you may not. But some of you, like me, you grew up in church, right? And somewhere along the line, maybe at a younger age, you put your faith in Jesus. And you actually were able to call him like Lord, like you're the Lord of my life, right? And then you went off to college, your freshman year of college. And you pretty much put the hand up to God and say, God, I'm not like totally leaving you, but I need you to stay way over there because I'm gonna go do my freshman year of college. And you did some things you never wanna talk about. And you did some spring breaks you hope your kids will never bring up. And maybe for you, extended all through your 20s and you lived in a way that you just ignored God. In fact, if you had to tell the stories today of your 20s, you would be embarrassed. Or maybe for you, as you waited till you get in your 40s and you were tracking along and now you got a husband or a wife and kids and then you just decided to go all off on your own in a direction that was just crazy and you couldn't believe you were doing it, but you just said, I only owe it to myself and I deserve what I deserve and I'm gonna do my own thing. God, I don't care what you say. And we could, we could all, me included, tell some wicked stories of our life, right? And in those moments, God did not choose to smite you off the planet. God did not choose to turn you into dust or walk away from you and say, never come back. God was merciful and gracious to you. He chose to chase after you. Some of you are back after all that because you realize your heavenly father has been running after you like a father who loves a lost child your entire life. And it feels so good to be loved like that as we sang in that song. And now you're back. And you know what mercy and grace is. And this is where Jesus just would say, I think to all of us, listen, I want you to be the most moral, ethical, good people on the planet. I do. I want you the, high, the highest standard of morals that you possibly can. There's no getting out of that. But when other people don't, I want you to just keep loving them. I just want you to keep being gracious to them like I was gracious to you in your 20s 
or your 30s, or even today as you're still trying to figure it out. And this is what Jesus says in all that, to you, to I, to everybody on the planet, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Lean towards those who can't, won't, or not willing to do for you. Because that's what your Heavenly Father did when you were in your wicked years of your life. And for me, it feels like that's a lot of years. Be merciful. In other words, do good. This is great. Do good to, towards those who can't or won't do anything good for you. Now again, when the church launched 2,000 years ago and the message of Jesus went forward, they were radical about this. And again, they had no strength. They had no power. They had no platforms. They just kept loving people. Do you know this? That the safest place for a young woman was in the house of a man that she was married to as he followed Jesus. Because he, would, he decided in those days, young Christian men, I'm not gonna treat you like an object. I'm gonna treat you with respect. I'm not gonna take advantage of you. And if somebody else says, I'm gonna protect you to my last breath. It's amazing, isn't it? The safest place for a child, an unwanted child, was in the house of a Christian couple or a Christian adult. They decided, I'm gonna give my life for yours because you mean something to my heavenly Father, if you're a leper, you know who would take care of you? Christians. When the plague just ran through so many parts of the world 2,000 years ago, and they just left people to die in their homes for some crazy God-driven reason, Christians would go into people's homes and care for them and sit with them and nurse them back to health, or they'd die alongside of them. And they had no buildings, they had no denominations, they didn't have big churches, they didn't have any of these things. And you know the other thing they didn't have? as the church just grew and grew and grew and grew. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have something that I love. They didn't have a constitution like we do and rights and freedom. They had none of that. I'm glad we do and I love our constitution. They had none of that. And the church just went. And you know why? Because people loved well and were generous and emulated Jesus. And it's this reason, because generosity and being compassionate were central because that is what their heavenly father did for them. They realized when I was at my most wicked, God gave everything, his very son to die on the cross and rise from my forgiveness of sins and they acted on it. And when you think about it, 2,000 years later, a third of the world follows Jesus in some form. It changed the world, which brings us to us. You see, we have been in this middle of trying to figure this out for almost 15 years. And you guys have been so generous. If you're new to our church, you need to know we've had people that have you know, been generous to orphans and singles and children in need and families and people across the world. It's been so amazing to watch you guys do this. But for the last couple of years, for me and for a few of us, we've just been asking this question, how can we take this just a step further? And what's the biggest need we have in our community? And this idea of you know, walking with kids and helping students in our community in need has become kind of a, a thing on my heart. How can we do that directly? And so several months ago, a couple of us um, started talking with our school, specifically the superintendents, because I, I had this idea, and it was a wrong idea. It was just, we need to help pay for students and their meals at school, and we found out that the government's doing that really well right now. So that's a great thing. I mean, God bless them. Glad that's happening. But we heard that students, outside of just having basic food needs, have some basic clothes needs in our community. 
And I don't want to dive too deep because I want to be really honorable to all the families and all the children and students in our, in our whole county, but you just need to know that there's, there's a pretty big need when it comes to students in our schools having shoes and socks and underwear and t-shirts and with a winter season coming up, coats. And it's a big need. And maybe your student, maybe your kids have that need and we, we honor you and respect you. But when I heard that, I, I just thought, that's not okay. We're, we're a big church. And if kids don't have shoes to wear and T-shirts and socks that are manageable, we had to figure something out. And so we started to ask the question, what if? What if we could do something about it? What if we could figure out how to mobilize our people in a generosity way to make sure kids that have these needs are not just trying to figure out all, all on their own? And then as we talked to the schools, this is the other thing we found out. The schools are... I mean, they're overwhelmed. And if you're an administrator, a teacher, you work at a school in our county, I just want you to know we're cheering you on because between COVID and all the other things that teachers and students, or teachers and administrators are navigating in our, in our world and needs of kids, it's overwhelming. And I'm like, oh, okay, we got to help. We got to figure this out. So here's what the original plan is. I'm just letting you on the inside. So bear with me for a minute. The original plan was today to raise some money so we could hand some checks to some schools in our county and say, hey, go do something good with it. And then in July, then in July, I was in Montana in a boat fishing. You know why? Because I'm being rich. I don't know how to say it better than that. I was, I was fishing with another pastor and I was telling him about my idea that I'm just rolled out to you. And he stopped, put his pole down. And he said, Matt, let me tell you what our church has done the last six years. He said, we've done everything you're talking about, but we've also decided because students, some students never get to pick out their own clothes when they're helped. We've decided to have a shopping day for the students in our community that need it. And pair a student up with a volunteer from our church. We'll talk more about this next week. Send to the local stores and students get to pick out their own clothes because that, that just adds value to be able to pick out your own stuff. And they get to pair up with one of our volunteer adults and it's just like, man, our adults get to speak into their lives and care about them and they just know somebody cares. And we took this to the local schools, Van Wert, Crestview, Lincoln View. And we pitched this idea and it was so cool to see their reaction. And the reaction was, wait, your church actually wants to do this for the students in our schools? Like, we want to, if you'll let us. And they're like, absolutely, we're gonna let you and we're gonna work with you. So I wanna tell you the plan for 100 students in our county that we're gonna do as a church. Going forward with steam coming out of our ears. We're going to make sure kids that need shoes and socks and underwear and t-shirts and coats in the next couple months are going to have a chance to get that. So on October 23rd, October 23rd, we're going to have a shopping day on Lifehouse for 100 students. And we're going to take 100 students and pair each one up with an adult from our church. It's going to be background checked with working through the schools. The schools are going to identify them. And we're going to come up with 4th through 8th graders from all three county schools. And the reason we're going with 4th through 8th graders is the superintendents, this was their idea, not mine, said that's probably the sweetest age, the best age to do this with because a kindergartner is too young and high school can be harder to do this with. So let's start with 4th through 8th. And this is, a, this is a, just a great experiment. And let's make sure these kids get what they need. And we're going to take each one of these 100 students and we're going to make sure they each have $175 to buy their most essential needs for each of them. 
And they're gonna get to go around and pick out from local stores what they need with the supervised vision of one of our adults. And the goal is that we're gonna raise most of it today, a minimum of, 100, or of 125, no, I can't do that, of $25,000 so we can do that for students. Now, if you do the math, 100 students times $175 is about $17,500. The reason we're going extra and maybe more than just extra is because we just hear the school saying, we just have closets that are getting just emptied all the time of essential needs for kids. And we're gonna make sure those closets are filled. So we are gonna give them each some resources to fill up their closets. And I I don't wanna keep beating on this, but it's simple things like socks and underwear and the most simple of things. And as we do this, Wombaland and Upstreet, you know, which is our kids' environments, because we want them to learn to be generous at a young age. They're collecting all the socks that they can, or we want to fill up a whole bunch of bins of socks just to make sure socks are there, because that's just a kind of a big deal. And then Transit Inside Out, over the next several weeks, they're going to be collecting personal items for students just so they have the most basic things, just, just to help out and give a little nudge because we want to love students, we want to love our schools, we want to do something for somebody else. And here's the deal, I'm asking everybody in our church to be part of this, generosity-wise. I'm asking everybody, with no apologies, with no holds barred, would you be willing to give financially to this? And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And when we think about what to give, because that's a really big question, what to give, let me just tell you how this might look as you think about this today, because I need you to think about it. If you would be willing to give $50 today, you need to know, first of all, every dime leaves this building. Listen, listen, this is really important that you understand this. Not one penny goes to our staff, our electrical bills. I'm not going to be riding a new motorcycle next week. I promise you, none of that's going on. It all goes out the door to these 100 students and the extra needs. $50 covers up to 29% of this experience for a student. Now, I'm going to say this for some of you. I said 50, and you're like, oh, my gosh. That's a lot of money for me, Matt, and I totally respect it. But I would ask you to consider how you could make that work. And it may take a little sacrifice. It may take a little figuring out. But I would ask you to be a part of this. Now, for some of you, though, now listen, come on. You're going to spend more than $50 on lunch in about 20 minutes from now. <laughs> Nervous laughter. No. Yeah, you're right. Right? And you're going to McDonald's. How do you spend $50 at McDonald's for, anyway, okay. $50 is not, that's not, that's not going to help you. It might help some 29% of an individual, but it's not going to help you. And you may need to think, listen, I need to go another step forward. And so just so you know, if you, you would give $175, it would cover 100% of that experience for a student. And that'd be really cool. And you might need to do a little figuring on that and a little, I'm not going to eat out this week. But for some of you, come on, that's, that's not even going to impact you because you have. And so you might want to think about doing two students with $350. But again, some. Because remember what I said about people that have the most tend to be the least generous in our world. Some of you know that you're spending $350 on your kids' clothes every month. And it may just be really good for you to go, you know what, I want to make sure 10 kids get this experience. And just do something for someone else and it might do something for you. 
because it's all leaving our building. We're not keeping a dime of it. That's why I'm so excited. That's why I'm so bold about asking for it today. And because we want to make this super easy for everybody, if you're online or in the room, we've decided to go one of these fun QR codes. And if you don't know how to use a QR code at the end of the service, we're going to leave this up. All you have to do is take your phone out, turn it to camera mode, point it at this, and it'll take you right to a website where you have to take a few steps and you can give online immediately. It's so, so easy. We also, in your chairs, we put an envelope in your chairs. If you just have cash or check, put it in there, drop it off in the boxes. It has to be one of the Be Rich envelopes to go to Be Rich. Make sure you do that. The QR codes are in your seats. And for those of you that just do not understand technology at all, we're swiping credit cards in the lobby. We're just trying to make it easy for everybody, you know, because we want it to be easy. But if you don't do this, and you guys know this, if you don't do this before you leave, there's a, probably a 50% chance you're going to forget about it or talk yourself out of it by this evening. And God works that way sometimes. Sometimes it's like, hey, it's time to do something and do it now. And I want to answer an objection that is running through some of your minds because it would have ran through mine to fire you. And the question, the objection is, Matt, does this really work? Does this really work? Is this really going to cure the problem with our kids is this really going to heal everything in our county, in our country? And here's the answer. No, it's not going to cure everything. And if I had to be honest, if you ask that question, like I would ask that question, it probably means there's something wrong with my heart. You know what it might do? It might, however, show a kid that the local church cares about him. And maybe their family and people that are struggling to keep the schools moving in the right direction. So it might, and I think it will, I, I believe that. Will it work? Can I say something really bold to you? Come, come on, don't check out on me yet. Can I say something really bold? Will it work? You're a piece of work, aren't you? Your spouse is a piece of work. I'm a piece of work. So you know what it might work on? It might work on me. It might soften my heart. It might pry open my hands and before I buy my kid another baseball glove or take him to another tournament or buy somebody something else or myself another set of golf clubs, pry open my hand and say, okay, I need to be a little more generous. God, work on me. Work on my heart. Change me. And what this simply is, is a response to what our Heavenly Father has done for us. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here investigating this, I think it's just good for you to be generous in these kind of ways anyway. you got to decide that. But if you're a Christian, God has done so much for us. And this is a way to remind our own hearts that we are not supposed to keep everything we have. But God has made us right with him. And the way he did that was giving his most precious asset his son. Like he looked at you and he looked at me and we were so far from him. And he said, look how wicked they are. Take my son. I can't, I can't imagine that kind of generosity. So what we're going to do to model that in our own lives and practicing being rich is go, okay, I can do 50. I can give 175. Maybe I need to give a thousand dollars, but I'm going to make sure some kids have some shoes, some socks, some t-shirts and a coat if they need them. And know that God cares about them and loves them. And we're going to do this.
We're going for this. And next week, I'm going to tell you how we're going to implement the rest of the story because that might be the best part of this whole deal as we get there. So what I thought about is I I would end this whole message today because you probably feel I'm kind of passionate about this by doing this big, strong pastor prayer where maybe I'd get one more person to give, but I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because you know you don't need to pray about this, do you? I don't need to pray about this. We just need to do it. So I'm going to put this code back up here one more time. So you have it. We're going to leave it up here. And I'm just going to say, ready? On your mark, get set, go be rich. God bless you guys.